dark in here. Let there be light. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's better. Oh, not my face. Oh. <laughs> I think it's right in my face, too. Good thing we aren't in a boat. We're all this way. <laughs> I'll give you one. Merry Christmas. All right, we're excited. Our second service of the evening, we had a great service to start off. Um, we're going to have another great service here today. Tonight, whatever time it is. You guys ready to celebrate uh, the birth of Christ tonight? We're gonna our our, our last service was more kid oriented, so we we probably got some Springsteen for them. You know, I don't know. We don't, I don't rip you guys off, but if you guys want to hear Springsteen, if not, we can do the first Noel. But what, what do you guys want? I give you the option: Springsteen, the boss. All right, all right. You asked for you guys it. Ask for you got to get up. You know, you got to get up and you got to shake it. You got to be like the East Street Band and sing right. along. Hey, Fred, you been good this year, brother? Oh, I'm always good, brother. What about you, Wayne? I think so, brother. Becky, what you going to get this year? Coal. Oh, okay. She's so bad. And Tommy, you need a new pair of drumsticks, I think, the way you hit those things. But you know what, Wayne? What? You know what, Jill? You know what, Jackson? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. All right, Jack. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better be good for goodness sake. You better be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. Oh, yeah, Santa Claus is coming to 
Santa Claus is coming to town. 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 Same note there. So, guys, bass and drums. That's rock and roll. Let's go. I'm ready. Angels heard on high. It's good news tonight, right? Our Lord and Savior is born in a lonely manger. Your hands clapping. Yes. 
ask right now that you just bow your head. Lord God, we are excited to come here and just celebrate, celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, for that babe born in Bethlehem so long ago just changed everything, not only our calendars, but he changed the way we live, the way we exist, that here 2,000 plus years later, we're not only waiting for um, to celebrate uh, little baby Jesus, but we're here to celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, God, we sing like the angels sang, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And we have a good news of a great joy, which is for all people. And God, let us celebrate that here today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we will have an evening of song and also of scripture. And we will begin by, with our first scripture from Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, and then we will all, we'll have a, a Christmas dance. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
this time. Oh, wait, let me switch because I got everything on here. This time we're going to get my family up here. Um, they're going to help light the Advent candle. I think my wife went to get them. Here they come. So. We lit the first three over the last few weeks. One more time. Thank you. Don't you love when they're so cooperative? So, all right, Melissa. On Christmas Eve, we light the final candle of Advent, the Christ candle. For only in Christ do we find the hope, love, joy, and peace we have come to know this season. And now we come to the last candle, the Christmas Eve candle, in the center of the wreath. Before us now is a glowing ring of five brilliant candles lighting the way for all to Bethlehem's Christmas gift, the promised Messiah. Listen to his words in John 8. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have light of life. Who needs this light in your life this Christmas? A neighbor, a relative, a shut-in? A person who doesn't need any help and seems nasty to everyone, happy to miss the true meaning of one more Christmas? Look around your life. Take stock of your relationships. There are hurting people stumbling in darkness, completely dead to the light of life that Jesus speaks of in the verse from John 8. The Christ candle reminds us to see that even if we are focused on the right things in our life, we must also include others, and specifically those who do not know Jesus as a light of their lives. If we do not think of them, then we've missed Jesus' point of coming. The fifth candle is a cold flame. Ultimately, the, the Christ candle reminds us and shows us that Christmas is not about us at all. It has never been about you and never been about me. It is about Jesus and his love for all those around us. It is about a grateful life lived to shine his salvation of hope to those in your life who do not get Christmas. He needs... Who needs you this Christmas to light up their life with his hope, love, joy, and peace? Pray that Jesus shows you who needs to know him, everyone around you. The mailman, the clerk, the waitress, the widowed neighbor, the distant relative, or the person at the copy machine, the fellow student in your math class, all need to know Jesus is here and loves you. Be the miracle to them. Be the Christ candle that glows, Christ to a cold and dead world. Make a difference, care for them. Serve them, give them Jesus. We pray you'll take this seriously and celebrate his birth differently this year by reaching out with some practical way to love and serve people who are reading your life this year. Make a difference in someone's eternity in this Christmas time. And together, that's what the Christ candle is all about. That Amen? Is Amen. Okay. You, you want to go ahead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Anything else you want to say? How about I put this on here? No. Okay. All right, Mary. Okay, there we go. Next. That boy. At this time, we have an, uh, our opportunity to honor the birthday boy, to honor Jesus. Um, we are, are blessed. This is our second service as of tonight and our second service in here at Christmas. So we are thrilled to be here and to worship. God has given us a great environment a lot, along with a lot of many talented people. And, but most of that is, we're, you know, we always talk when we look at the um, manger scene, we always look and see an opportunity um, there. We see that Shepherds who were minding their own business had an opportunity to leave everything and to go worship Jesus while everybody else was doing their own thing. Um, and then wise men took two years, roughly two years, to get to give three gifts that we know of and probably some more to the Christ child. 
Um, I mentioned in the early service that um, sometimes it seemed for some of the people we had to buy gifts, we're still like looking at the clock and hoping Walmart or something's open, am I right? Um, to get something really quickly. Um, but in many cases, we want to find the perfect thing. And God gave us the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. This is our opportunity now in the same flavor as those first people who came to Jesus to honor God through gifts. And I look at this as our time to give Jesus a Christmas gift. So we will now take our Christmas offering that helps us here at Haven to continue in ministry, but more importantly, helps us expand our ministry to many others around the world. So bow with me for a blessing this. Lord God, as we come to you this evening, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for all that are here today and even those who may be watching um, tonight. Uh, bless them, all of us. And Lord, just help us realize that you have provided this place and these people to share your word and to share your word to a hurting and dying world. But more importantly, God, you have relied on your people to be the ones who go ahead and give in the nature. This is a season that people talk about forgiving. And it seems like charities and other things are expanded during this time of year. But there's 12 months in the year that we want to reach out and do ministry. And so, God, we thank you for the people that are here. We ask that your Holy Spirit be upon these gifts and that your Holy Spirit fill this room. For those who are watching uh, online and other places, just fill them with your Holy Spirit. For we give you the, uh, praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And also, we're going to let Wayne, our great worship leader, and gang, he keeps us in line and keeps us going and goes with my idiosyncrasies and helps, and just is so gifted. I'm, I'm blessed to call him not only our worship leader, but my friend, and I'm thrilled that we're going to let him go a little bit, and he'll probably suck a couple of these guys in a little bit more and to bless us during this Christmas offering.
In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will, call, and will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was to be barren in her, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her.
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Rejoice, rejoice. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. One of the greatest, not um, coincidences, but God incidences in the scripture is that Jesus was born in a place called Bethlehem, or Bethlehem, as we call it. And um, when we went to Israel several times, all our tour guides taught us it was Bethlehem. Everybody do that to me without spitting on the person in front of you. Bethlehem. Okay, come on, do it. Bethlehem. Kind of like phlegm, right? You know, so. Um, Beit means house of. Anytime you see Beth, it means house of. Beth El or Beit El is house of God. So when you see Bethel Church, that means house of God. So Lechem means something. It means bread. So Jesus was born in the house of bread. He was born in a bakery. Now, I think that's really cool because Jesus later would tell people, I am the bread of life. If you're hungry, you come to me and I will feed you. He said, My for, the forefathers had manna given to them and they ate from it and they were still hungry. But you take from me, you will never grow hunger again. God doesn't do things by mistake, Amen. And so tonight, as we come before this communion table, we recognize what Christ did for us, not only by coming into the world, but more importantly, why he came into the world. That Christmas is a great celebration, but more importantly than that is the cross. That just a few miles up the road, in about 30 Three years, Jesus, the bread of life, would give his life for you and me. And on that night, Jesus reminded them when he took the bread and he gave thanks to God and he said, Take from this, Lord God. He's asked for his blessing. Bless, O Lord, this grain from the earth that we may have bread to eat. And he took it. And he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And one of the cool things was it was in a Seder meal, recognizing the God's provision in Egypt through the Exodus. And I, some of you have heard me say this before, but the part that is actually the breaking of the bread in the Seder meal is called the Afrikomen. 
And it means, Afrokomen means I have come. So Jesus breaks the bread, recognition of the manna in the desert. But as he breaks it, he says, I have come. So take and eat this, all of you. This is my body, which is broken for you. After supper, he took the cup. And there's several cups. But many historians believe that the cup, there's several different cups. They even leave one for Elijah in case he shows up. Um, And he took the cup after the meal. Most people believe that it was the cup which stands for redemption. And he begins to pass that around to his disciples. And he said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I don't know about many of you, but if you go to a Christmas meal and somebody starts passing around stuff, saying this is my body and my blood, how many are you hanging around for a while? But Jesus gave an interesting message in the Seder meal by taking what had happened in Egypt and where people were freed from bondage into freedom, the land God promised them. He says, I am that bread of life. And he says, wait a second, I have come, the cup of what? Redemption to redeem you. That when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said, behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all people. For you today, born in the city of David, or in that house of bread, is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in order to save, that means he needs people who need rescued, and that's you and me and all those people who were there. And he, how did he do it? Through this and ultimately the cross. I have come to redeem you. And so today, as we celebrate this communion, Lord God, we ask that these be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed and set apart by his blood. Lord God, we just ask during this time that your presence meets us in the dynamic mystery of faith that Christ has come into the world. He lived, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and praise God, Christ will what? Come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts, make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed, and set apart by his precious blood. Amen. I'd ask the servers to come forward now, if they would. And any, anybody else in the praise team?
stations set up. One over here. Andy's going to bring the lights up a little bit. And Jill and Wayne are going to play and sing a song. And just, just worship the Lord. Um, the altar rail's there if you need to pray. Please do so. What we're going to ask is that you come from the back down. And so we'll have, um, we'll have you know what, we're going to ask you to come down here. Can you guys come down here? So this group, we can come up this way and return that way. You guys can come down that aisle and return up the side and down here and return that way. We're going to ask that you come up from the back. If you can't make it up here, just kind of raise your hand and we'll get somebody to go ahead and serve you. Come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ.
as forgiven and redeemed people, let us continue in the spirit of, of the communion. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention, it was too late if you didn't follow it, um, but there's, someone always once said that communion is for people who want to repent of their sin. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, seek to live in peace with one another. It's the Christmas season. We're going to sit across the table from people we may not be very peaceful with, but we do as the centurion did. I believe, help my unbelief. God, I've forgiven all I can. Help my unforgiveness. And, um, and we want to repent of that sin and seek to leave in peace with one another and seek God's will for our lives. So um, this is communion, and let us move on further in our service with our next reading from Scripture. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. How you doing? Good? All right, give me a second here. We'll say, don't worry, I'm not going to go on for three hours tonight, I promise. Only two. Um, Wayne, can I give you this? It's back here. One of the things that, um, that a lot of people don't know is it um, seems like half of the people up here have um, been dealing with some kind of illness or a throat kind of thing. Wayne came in yesterday, had no voice, and I think Nicole's struggling with some stuff today, and they keep pushing through. And one of the, one of the things that we've been blessed to have is just people who, um, they're just a team up here, and um, we're blessed with talent, but uh, teamwork goes a long way. Um, nice to have Jackson up here with his viola, not violin, right? Got it? What is it? Viola, Viola, whatever it is, you know what I mean. He's a, it's good, though. It's good stuff. I went to look at him. They said, he's preaching. I'm going to go sit down, so that's good. Um, I just want to share with you just a couple things on my heart today. Um, there we go. I'm nice and straight. Uh, just, it's really cool to come to these services. Uh, pastors have some interesting times. Easter is one of those times you just seem like everything's crazy, and also Christmas um, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I want to share with you a couple of scriptures today because uh, if you look at the name, title of the sermon, it's God with us. And what else? Huh? What does it else say? Go ahead. You can look at it. God with us, with God. So we're going to kind of talk about God with us and us with God. Is that good? Okay. So that's, that's what I got. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and I want to go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. 22 and 23, Matthew 1, 22 and 23. And this is where Joseph is, is here. And all this has been considered and everything's um, rolling along. And there's this verse in 21. It says, she will give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then in verse 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So the first thing I want to talk about is, and I find this interesting, the first thing that God said about his son is that 
His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. What God wanted to know, wanted us to know, is he's not a God that's, I started to talk in a British accent, God. Um, he's not a God who is far removed from us, but he's a God who is near and with us. And that's the first thing God wants us to hear. Now, here's what's really cool. That's the first book, the first chapter in the New Testament. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, if not, we've got a thing called a screen that has Bible verses. I want to read from you from Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, and God is describing himself. And it's really kind of cool. Uh, because the Christmas moment, Emmanuel, started a journey to where eventually we're all who believe in Jesus are going to be in, in Revelation. And here's what he says in this point here. God is describing himself, and he makes this statement. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That is the beginning letter and the last letter. If he was saying it in English, he said, I am the A and the Z. I am the A and the Z. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and last. Here I am. I am the bookend. Before, Jack, you even got your mess together, or as you still don't have your mess together, but before you ever came into this earth, I am. That's what he told Moses. I am. And so here we go. I am here, and I'm going to be here. And here's what he says. He continues on. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who, what? Who is, who was, and who is to come the Almighty. God who is, who was, and is to come. Now, I want to combine the Matthew verse with this verse from here, because that sums up why Jesus came, and it also sums up the New Testament. And here's what it is. God is, God was, and God will be with me. Isn't that neat? God is, God was, and God will be with me. I like that, don't you? Anybody like that? Or you sleep, I can't see you today, so. That's great news. That's that great news of a good joy, which is for all people, that God is, God was, and God will be with me. I want you to share the Christmas love to the person next to you. If you don't have anybody next to you, somebody around you. So look at one person next to you. Go ahead and say, God is with you. Now to your second choice of the person who's on the other side of you, I want you to say, God was with you. And to somebody who's a, far away from you, yell at them and say, God will be with you even if nobody else is sitting next to you. So that's where we're going to start today. Are you ready for this? God is with you. That's the first thing. I didn't give you a sheet today, but if you want to write it down, go ahead. God is is with you. Think about that. God is with you. If some of you are like me, I don't always feel that. 2013 is about to come to an end. And I got to tell you, with everything that went on in life, there were times I wondered where God was that I wondered if God was really with me. Anybody else in that boat with me? Probably the ones on this side because the boat's going to tip over in here today. And I wondered, God, where are you? Or let's not even just keep it to this time. 
Let's extend it to parts of my life where I wondered whether God was with me. And I may not feel that I'm always surrounded by God's presence. Because that's what he's talking about when he's with me, his presence. Do you know one of the things I found out, though, in my life? That God is not just with me in the good times. You know, I used to do these youth weekends. We used to call them Youth Alive weekends. And I'd get really close to God. Some awesome stuff would happen. It felt like I was in heaven with God. And it was just awesome. And I've had times of worship services where the spirit fell and just people were just staying until the wee hours of the morning and, and altar calls where people were just knelt and crying and, and just weeping before the Lord, just come and rising just in joy and excitement. And it was like I wanted to stay there because I knew God was there. But one of the things I found out in my life is God is not only with me in those really good times, that God is with me in the valley. One of the great scriptures, the 23rd Psalm, anybody know it? Begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not lack, no- I shall lack nothing is what it means. Continues on. And then he gets to this verse 4 in Psalm 23, which says this, where David writes this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For why? For you are What did he say? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley of my life, and I know some of the stories that many of you have gone through, and you may know some of mine and you may not, but there are some dark valleys in everybody in this room and anybody watching, I guarantee you there are some dark valleys. And in those dark valleys, you wondered, is God with me? And David says, oh, in that deepest, darkest valley of death, I will not fear because you are with me. God has been with me in those times so much that he annoys me when I want to wallow in my own mess. Anybody like to wallow in your mess? Come on, there's got to be one in here, am I right? That I don't like to talk to people, I don't like to deal with, I like to avoid people and like to sit and that old song, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'll go eat mud or worms or whatever you eat. Anybody live that? And you make the situation worse and then when God comes to you, you know it's God, you're like, get away from me, I want to be in here. And God says, no, 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 I promised I'm with you. He's been with me in some of my deepest, darkest moments. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel greets Mary, and it's an awesome greeting. What does she say? The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And you know what the angel followed with that in 129? It says, Mary was greatly troubled. Mary was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. I love that statement because Luke writes a very good journalistic statement rather than saying, Mary was freaked out and terrified and was like, what the heck is going on? 
Just imagine, you're going about your day. Tradition in Israel says that she was at a well. Doesn't say that in scripture, but it's a tradition. Imagine you go to your faucet, or if you're from south, the spigot, and you go to get a glass of water and you load it up and go, and all of a sudden, boom, greetings, Jack. You who are highly favored, I'd be like, what? I'd be like, I wouldn't be like, I'm greatly troubled. I wonder what this could be. But maybe, just maybe, she had a peace over her because she knew that the Lord was with her. Even in that trouble, there was talking to her. What you learn about when God is with you is that when nobody else understands you and when confusion sets in, the promise is God is with you. God's presence is the Christmas message. Here's the Christmas message. The Christmas message is God's presence, not the absence of trouble in your life. So many of us, and for years, the church taught and taught wrongly that after you go ahead and accept Jesus, it's skipping through the daisies. It's not. But guess what it is? Is my hope is in Christ, and he is with me to carry me through when it isn't all daisies and roses. And that's what gives me strength. That's what helps me through the darkest valleys of life. It's the presence of Christ in the midst of my greatest troubles. If you don't believe me, I'll give you another example. One of my favorite, favorite stories is from Matthew chapter 14, where the disciples are chilling out in the boat. And these guys are fishermen. They've been fishermen for a long time, a majority of them. They've been out on the Sea of Galilee. They've seen storms. They've done all this kind of stuff. Jesus is in the boat, and he falls asleep because he's tired. He falls asleep. A storm comes up. Have you ever been just gone in your life, and a storm comes out of nowhere? And this storm comes up, and all of a sudden, the waves begin to break over. They begin to fear that they're drowned. These are fishermen. They go to a carpenter to ask for help. You know you're in trouble when you're a fisherman and you're asking a carpenter. Like, what are they going to say? Can you build another stronger boat? So they go to Jesus, do something. He says, what is wrong with you? It's, it's interesting how that storm has happened when they're in the lake. There's another account that in Matthew 14 that Jesus is, tells them to go out ahead and he's they go out ahead, he said, I'll catch up with you. They're out there. There's another storm. They're really not bad, good with dealing with storms, these disciples. And all of a sudden, they look up and they see this figure walking and walking and walking. And they first go, it's a ghost. And something in Peter, Simon Peter goes, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come on out. He says, it's me. And he gets out. You see, Jesus said, come. And every disciple could have got out of the boat and walked on water. But only one did it. We have beaten Simon Peter up for years for getting out and taking his eyes off and sinking. But guess what? There was 11 others who could have got out of the boat. I believe that there's somebody here tonight that you just need to take a step, one step, One step out and trust Jesus. That you may see a little bit of Jesus. You may think it's him. And he says, it's me. And he just needs you to take a step out. Today, there's somebody here 
or somebody watching, that you just need to take a step out of the boat and let Jesus be more real to you. If you come to the point to say, God, I need you no matter what life you have lived, he will not only meet you, but he will carry you through the storm because he's a mighty God. He is with you. Sometimes it's difficult to believe, but he is with you. Revelation 8 tells us that. Here's the good news in Revelation chapter 8. He's the God who was. He's the God who what? The God who was. The best way to deal with today's storm is this. To look back into your past and see how God brought you through those storms. I love in the story of David and Goliath. David goes and gets ready to fight this great giant. Some of you may know this. He's getting ready, and Goliath starts to curse at him and curses God and make fun of him and says, Am I a dog? Did you come at me with sticks? And he looks at him, and he says this. He says, I got to tell you something. You're big, and this doesn't look very good, but the same God that, re- that saved me from the lion and the bear is going to save me from you. And on top of that, I'm going to cut off your big stinking head and I'll feed your carcass to everything else out here. You got it? How many of you need God to feed the storm you're going through now to the car- feed that carcass to something else out there? Because that storm looks pretty big. That giant looks really big. The confusion in life looks really big. And God's here to tell you, look back in your life and say that I'm the same God who rescued you from the bear and the lion. God wants me to tell you today to look back and look how he brought you through your divorce and look how he brought you through your bankruptcy and look how he brought you through that rehab. And look how he brought you through that abortion. And look how he brought you through that breakup. And God wants to tell you simply this. He never left you. Because he is the God who is and was and forever will be. You see, if you really look back in your storms in life, you recognize that he never ever left you. And he brought you through this. You and I would not be alive. I got stories in my locker in my past that I would not even be alive today if it wasn't for the grace of God. And it is through him. When I look back at one of those points in my life when I was about 19 or 20 where I was trying to do everything else but what God wanted me to do, it's a wonder that with not only what I was doing, but what I was feeling, that there was such a depression that existed in me. And I tell you what, the, the, the oppression of depression in our society is horrific. And if we don't allow God to bring his Holy Spirit to renew people and to bring the joy of the Lord, then we will never have any strength because depression is, is running rampant. And we as the church are not dealing with it in spiritual warfare. And calling upon God to do that. There's other ways we deal with that that I believe in. But we also need to just claim people, the joy of the Lord for people. What did the angel say? Behold, I bring you good news of a great what? What? That was lame. Bring you good news of a great Which is for all people. Guess what? If you are down at the last point in your life 
And if you're feeling like there's no tomorrow, and if you're suicidal, because I've talked to tons of people that are that way, hear this good news of a great joy. There's a Savior. His name is Christ the Lord. As I look at my life, if I was God, I would have given up on me years ago. And looking around this room, as I see through the darkness, I would have given up on you too. He's the God who calms the waves. You know, when I was younger, I remember being at the beach as a kid, and I kind of shared this a little bit um, several months ago. And I remember being a little, little kid and how big those waves looked. You know, you remember that? And how the waves, when you thought you were big enough, they'd hit you and they'd just roll you and wipe you and you'd have pebbles and sand up your nose, you know what I mean? But I remember my dad taking me out into the waves. And I remember not being afraid. You know why? Because my dad was with me. I've taken my kids out when they're little and they're like, ah, ah, and they grab hold of your neck and they hold on for dear life. And I tell them, hey, daddy's got you. And you know what? The next time they go out, they're cool because they remember daddy didn't let them go. You need to know that you have a daddy that's not going to let you go. And he's with you. How do I know that? In Romans 8, Romans 8, 38, we are reminded of this verse. In 37, no, in all these things we are made more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that he has for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing you are going through is able to separate you from the love God has for you. Nothing, nothing. Know with confidence that God has a plan for your life because he is the God who is, the God who was, and the God who will be. Number three, God will be with me. Say that with me. God will be with me. God's presence was always there. But here's something, and here's the latter part of the sermon. God wants a response from me and a response from you. There are many who are here in this room or who are watching that if you're honest, you're pretty far from God. It might have been one of those storms. It might have been a disappointment. But you're just not where you need to be with God. He knows it. You know it. He's still there. He wants you to turn around and be there with him. You see, God says, I will never leave you, nor I will never forsake you. But he also is the good shepherd who allows the sheep to wander. Oh, he'll go after you, but you got to be picked up by him and turn to him. So my question here today as I wind down is, are you with God? Or where are you with God? In Isaiah 59... Isaiah 59.1 says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. What does that mean, Jack? It means that no matter what I've done, no matter where I am, no matter how I've treated God, 
No matter how I've lived my life, his arm's not too short and his ear's not too deaf to hear me call for him. But what is it, Jack, that separates me? The scripture tells us very clear. It is my own iniquities, my own sin, my own stuff. And you know what I believe is the biggest sin that we commit? Narcissism and selfishness, where we believe that we and our lives are more important than God in all area of our lives. As I wind this down, I want to give you a chance to respond. I want you to be able to have a time today, um, whether you're at home or whether you're here, to say, God, I am with you, and Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. As I was preparing this sermon, I thought of a lady named Layla, who was a lady who I met through a parishioner who, it was her sister. She lived a very wild life. It was the kind that looks like it was pretty fun in the world, but it was rough. She had a son that her daughter raised, I mean, her sister raised, because she was living a high life. Layla was a fun person. She was the person who came into the room that was the life of the party. And I hadn't met her until her sister, who I was very close to, said, Jack, I want you to come and talk to my sister. She just received a diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Now, I'm going to warn you, she's a piece of work. She says, I'm also going to warn you, she's angry. So, me being young and loaded for whatever, and actually, I kind of got a kick out of it. I wanted to see what she was going to throw at me, and boy, did she throw some stuff at me. I walked in this room, and I found this very, very, like, kind of witty Smart aleck, slicing, cutting, angry, loving person. I just loved her. They won. She cussed like a sailor around me, and I loved it because she didn't look at me and put on churchiness. She was who she was. And she was angry. I, I, this, this God stuff. I don't know why my sister called you here. And she threw in a couple expletives, I think is what you call them. And I laughed, and I said, I hear you. I can't imagine. I bet you're pretty ticked. And we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And guess what? I was just dumb enough to come back. And I came back, and she went right at it again. Boom, 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 boom. And then I, her sister would have something, and other people from church and friends were around. And guess who I hung out with? Layla. She was hilarious. She has some great jokes that I can't tell you any in here, right? <laughs> but she would just say stuff. And we became friends. And I began to spend time with her. And then discussions about God began to come up. Her son, who her daughter raised, was a very committed Mennonite Christian. One Christmas, he had had enough of his mom's mess that he gave her a Bible Layla was diagnosed with this cancer, and we prayed for her. She was waiting at, uh, for surgery one day. It was 7.30 in the morning. And anybody knows me knows I hate mornings. But I made sure I got up to St. Francis. I walked through, she, her sister kept saying, you think he's going to come? Well, I don't care whether he comes or not. And I walked through the door, and I said, hey. Actually, I said, hey, good looking. You need somebody to pray with you? And she started, had this big smile on her face, and I prayed with her. She went in for surgery. She came out after that, 
And then after that surgery and some more treatments, they declared her in remission. She began to come to church. And she began to ask questions about Jesus. And she and I spent Friday, every Friday together in the afternoon. And, you know, the expletives and other things began to be replaced by questions. To the point that one Sunday, she came up to me and said, I want to be baptized. I believe in Jesus. And so we had a service of baptism with her closest friends and family around. I'd love to be able to tell you that here's Leela right now. But sadly, as life goes, and anybody who's experienced and loved somebody who struggled with cancer, after about three or four months, it came back. And it came back worse. And Layla began to experience the pains and dying from cancer. And I remember the day that I was leaving to go to her house. It was a Friday, because that was our day. And I remember leaving the house, and I said to Melissa, I've got to go talk to Layla about her funeral. And I walked in that room. She was in a bed, and her hair was gone. She wasn't angry. She had questions. And I said, what can I do for you? She goes, I just have questions. I want to know what heaven's like. I believe, I just want to know. And we talked about some things, and I looked at her, and I said, you know what's really cool, Layla? That lady I met a year and a half ago could care less about this. This lady loves the Lord. I mentioned to her a verse of Scripture that I held on to, and I said, you know what's really cool? When you get there, you're going to know fully. So all these questions are just going to go by the wayside. And you know what you get to do? You get to praise Jesus. And I sat there a week later as she died, was dying in her bed. I prayed over her with her family. I left, and she died about an hour later. I did her funeral, and at her funeral, it was a, a, one of celebration. And I remember her son, this estranged son who had given her a Bible. He stood up to share at the funeral, and he said, I have a Bible in my hand, and I gave it to my mom several years ago for Christmas. And I gave it to her, and written in it, it said this, I have had enough of your mess. This is the only thing that can save you. And he stopped, and he looked around in a very quiet room, and he said, but I got to tell you, a lot of people hate cancer, but I love it. People are like, what? He said, cancer took my mother, but cancer gave me a sister in Christ. You see, she was far from God. But I know today she rejoices in heaven with all those people who have gone on before us, my grandmothers and all those people I loved dearly over the years that I know that I know that they love the Lord Jesus. Why? Because of that day in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, God is with us. God was with me, and God will be with me forevermore. Today, you get a chance to make a decision to stand with God who has stood with you. There are two places, either we are close to God or far from God, and you need to decide that. If you are without Christ, your situation is worse than you can believe because the wages of sin, according to Scripture, is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have to accept it. So why won't you? Why won't you? I guarantee this is not the first time you've heard this. Why won't you accept it and why won't you add it to your life and serve Jesus who came to be your Savior, not only your Savior, but your Lord of your life? For others, you have a messy stable that you need Jesus to clean up. So open your life to him today. At this time, I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to pass out our candles. They're going to be different this year, um, which is kind of cool. There you go. You'll take them. You just twist them a little bit, and you don't have to crank them down until they go on, and they'll go like this. We will sing Silent Night. And you know what I think is really cool? It's one of the greatest songs. And the reason why it was first played on the guitar, you know why? Because the bellows broke in the organ. And they sang it there. But in Jesus' birth, there was anything but silent. Anybody lived around sheep or goats or cows or donkeys? All right. So as, as we're led in Silent Night, I'm going to ask that you stand. I'm going to give a prayer for you and for anybody who's watching at home. And it's going to simply be this. Stand up, please, and and bow your head. Lord God, we just come to you now. We thank you for the good news of a great joy, which is for all people, which is that today a Savior is born for us, Christ Jesus, the God who is, the God who was, and the God who ever will be with us is here. His name is Jesus. For someone who is here today that does not know you, Lord, or maybe somebody else who has known you but just has not live life close to you, has lived life separated. Maybe you have been with them, but they have not been with you. God, draw them back, and we know you're going to accept them back. And as we sing these verses of Silent Night, as this candle is lit, we ask this be the same way that you light up our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
great song, great song, right? Uh, we are, we're going to wind down. We got one more song, right? No, nah, I think okay. we're, I think okay. that's a great song to end with. All right, so we're going to end with, we're going to end with that today. But before we do that, I'm going to do a little impromptu because I can. I want to send this out with a prayer. Um, first of all, I just want everybody to bow your heads real quick. Um, I'm, we're going to do a couple different prayers. One of those is going to be this. If you have decided tonight that you just have been far from Jesus and you just needed to accept him as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise it up in the air and just say, God, Jesus, this is where I am. And, and you know what? I got to tell you something. Today, I see your hands here. And you know what the most awesome thing is about that? There's a birthday party already in heaven, and you just kicked up the party a notch. You're a part, that's, scripture tells us when one sinner repents, there's a party in heaven. And, and just share that with somebody, because that's, that's awesome. Because guess what? You get to experience eternal life with Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Praise God for that. Uh, and we're, I'm just excited about that. Is everybody excited about that? That is awesome. Praise God. That's why we're here. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm, today, um, you know, my dad's been through a lot this, this year. And Andy, I'm going to take the scripture mic here. And I'm going to ask dad, my father, he's been through a lot of surgery. And this is his first time here um, tonight. And I'm going to ask him to close us out. He's closed a lot out in his years of, of uh of Christmas Eve services, and I'm going to ask him to close out with prayer tonight. Amen? Okay. There you go. There you go. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we can't imagine a world without Jesus. And those of us who've been through the struggles and through some of those valleys and some of those storms that Jack was talking about tonight, we couldn't make it if it weren't for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being Emmanuel, God with us. You've been with us in the past. You're with us now, and you'll be with us forever. Be with us tonight, and let us go out here with our hearts filled and our, our, our minds just, just excited about the birth of Jesus and what it means to us living in this world. God th bless you for uh, being here tonight, and may God bless you as you continue your journey with God as he has been with you. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask that you extinguish, extinguish them, and there'll be some bouncers at the door if you try to take these out with you. Um, but most of all, Know that you have a God who loves you, who sent his son for you. If you raised your hand, share that with somebody and do something about it. Make 2014 a year of you with Jesus. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.